Welcome back to Round Guy, the podcast, along with Dave Johnson, Mr. Southeast Iowa. Uh, along the way, we encounter uh, guests that we uh, like to interview for our podcast, or we'll run into, occasionally we'll run into somebody that we've known and worked with, and today's no exception. We've the privilege and the honor to have as our guest today a colleague, former colleague of mine and good friend, uh, Larry Morgan. I knew Larry when I became part of the morning show at KGGO way back in the day. Larry left to pursue other endeavors, and I took over on a full-time basis in a, uh, a few years where Larry, certainly thrilled to have you on. Uh, say hello to all our listeners, all five of them. Oh, it's fun to be on, and I've never been asked to be a guest on anybody's podcast, so I consider it a real honor. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, when, when I was saying a moment ago that I, I worked in your stead for several years until I was uh, untimely fired, first part of, of December, I believe it was 2011, uh, which made for a horrific Christmas in New Year. You can imagine. Uh, but, and you uh, retired and moved on to another job, and you are one of the few people I can say in radio I don't think was ever fired. You know, you're right. I, uh, I just got out before I would have been fired, probably, because, you know, it became corporate radio, and if you were making a decent amount of money, they certainly didn't want you around anymore. And, uh, yeah, luckily I just got out, or I would have been fired eventually, but I got out before that. Right, right. And you saw it coming then. I didn't. I, I got hit right out of the blue with it. Uh, at about 9.30, the GM called me in his office and said, I heard your last uh, broadcast, and it was. <laughs> uh and I, and I agree with you, it was a corporate takeover, and they didn't want to pay any money, and they brought in a syndicated show after they fired all of us. And, and uh, it, 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 to me, it was true that where, uh, you know, you got fired. I never worked for a GM that did not stab me in the back, whether it was uh, relative to uh, a salary or, or extra uh, bonus money uh, and or just like we said that they wanted to unload some of the cost and and uh, just canned us because they wanted to pay a syndicated show much less far less money yeah I uh, have worked for a good general manager but you know people always put down oh like a car sales and used car sales and put them in a bad category I'd say a lot of radio general managers are not nearly that nice people yes. Yes. But again, I did I did wind up spending a lot of my radio career, and it's the time when you and I were together with Bill Wells. He was a good one. Yeah. Well, every now and then you might run into a good one. But, and a lot of it isn't their fault. They're told from corporate. Hey, oh, yeah. We need you to fire this guy, that guy. and and uh, But I do want to say this before we go any further. For anybody now within the sound of my voice, Larry, you taught me more about radio and about how to interview people and about how to get along professionally than anybody I've ever worked with. And, and I've always said to anybody that asked 
that Larry Morgan is the classiest guy in show business. No, that's it's a nice compliment. Thank you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You had more class in your little finger than most uh, professionals do in their entire body. <laughs> Thank you. It's a really nice thing that you said. I appreciate that. Start uh, and let our listeners in on, on how you and I started. Well, um, as I recall, Lou Siples and I were doing the morning show, and I said, you know, Lou, we what, what this morning show seems to lack is, is funny, you know, good humor. <laughs> so I said, who can we get? And then we couldn't find anybody who could provide good humor, and that's when we asked you to come on. No, seriously, seriously. I was we just going to say that was the first lie you've ever told. I know we needed. No, no. I thought we just needed. I thought the element of humor was missing, and I knew you could add it because we'd seen your uh, perform at the club, and we'd gotten to know you. And uh, I was totally correct. You you provided a great element of humor and some unpredictability. And when we had success in the ratings, you were a big part of that because of what you brought to us. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, the way I remember it is that you and I ran into one another at an Iowa Cubs game, and and you had said something to me about uh, uh, going to lunch with you and Lou and talking about, uh, you know, hanging out on the morning show. And I agreed. I said, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. And I remember walking away and thinking you were just being nice and that that wasn't going to happen. And yet you uh, called me the next week and arranged for us to have some lunch, and we did, and it kind of evolved from there. Yes, and um, I recall saying to you, now you don't expect to be paid for this, do you? <laughs> but I was wrong, you did. <laughs> no, but it was it was a great team, and it was, it was, I think for Lou and I to make that decision was just really wise on our parts, because it certainly uh, elevated us. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I'd like to think that's how it worked out. Uh, what are some of the earlier, because my memory fails. I am a complete amnesia victim. I hope you aren't as well, but because uh, you're a lot younger than I am. Uh, Not so. True. Do you remember some of the first bits that, that happened when I was the, became the kind of the sidekick? I'm not sure I remember the first bit. You know, the one that I will that will always stand out in my mind is when Round Guy became the human pinata. It was, uh, I, lo I love this one, I, and I always will. It was Cinco uh, de Mayo, and we were at Chi Chi's, which was a really popular restaurant in West Des Moines, and we uh, hung you from some kind of implement up in the air, and people were to swat you with sticks, and then whatever prize fell down, they would get to keep. And, of course, unfortunately... We had not figured out that with that contraption around your neck that you might not be able to breathe. And <laughs> you, in fact, were actually turning, uh, I can't remember what color, but it was not a good color. It yeah. was an indication there was a problem there. And Lou said, you know, we should get him down or we're going to kill him. And I said, you know what, if we get him down, we're going to kill the promotion. <laughs> and, you know, the heck with the round guy. Well, actually, it turned out that we got you down. We were able to figure it out. And so you could breathe. You hung up there like the pro that you were. People swatted at you. And it was one of my very favorite promotions. Not that we almost killed you. Not That, that part, I, I tend not to think that was one of the favorite things of the promotion for me. But it was really successful, and people loved it. Um, I also think, and you would remember maybe better than I, we must have sent you on some rather weird errands that uh, 
you had the guts to do that Lou and I would have never done on our own. <laughs> well, at that point, I, I thought, you know, what what could go wrong worse than almost uh, asphyxiating yes. as the human pinata? <laughs> yes, yes. As I say, now, I wish I could remember more. I mean, sure that you were part of some of our Burbank Fool's Day parades and things like that, but that's the one that really sticks out in my mind the most. The human pinata... Uh, worked well enough that we did it for like the next couple of years. Yeah. And and we refined it to the point where I was no longer in fear of, of being choked to death. But, but the one other problem was uh, what, what the uh, uh, contestants used to slap me with was those rubberized uh, pool lanes. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, I hope I'm portraying it well enough for people to visualize it. But those long foam things you'd find in a swimming pool. Exactly. Right. And and uh, I would wear this Velcro outfit, and tennis balls were stuck to it. That's what they were. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. And they were numbered, so with whatever tennis ball fell to the ground, and whatever number it had on it, that coincided with uh, the prize that the person would receive. Yes, absolutely right. All right, but but if you can imagine now, if I can walk you through this visually for the folks listening in, I was on this kind of scaffold where I was hung from the, and probably one of the only times in my life I was ever well hung, but... <laughs> I was horizontal from the ground. Yes, right, right. All right. So picture me uh, on this on this contraption that that held me from this cable, and I'm horizontal. So when somebody took one of those long foam pool liners, and they and they were blindfolded. Okay, they were blindfolded, so they could only kind of imagine where I was and and what they had to hit at. So they would take that long foam thing and they they swat it. So now that, that foam piece in their hand was uh, was horizontal with the ground as well, right? Right. They, they would bring it back to swat me again. And bringing it back, I had no protection underneath. I had a football helmet on. <laughs> yeah, right. So they couldn't wrap me around the head or in my eyes or whatever. But when they brought it back up, I was, uh, for the most part, uh, open to whatever they might hit on their way back. <laughs> and so the following year, I wore a cup because uh, I got... I got slapped in the uh, nads a number of times uh, the first and second time until I kind of figured it out. See, I never considered that an issue because I was on the ground and I thought, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, not hurting I, me. I could tell it didn't bother me at all. But I can know <laughs> yeah. seriously. I could see where that would be an issue, and I'm glad we solved it. I'm sorry it took so long to figure it out. Well, trial and error, that's it. You know, it's like sex. Trial and error. No permanent damage, though, I assume. 
Well, not that I know of. I don't have any <laughs> children, but... Uh, <laughs> Probably just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I recall there being times when when uh, I was on the road then doing the comedy, but not on a regular basis. So the, 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 the idea we had or contract we had was that if I was in town and working the funny bone there, I'd come in and do the show. And if I was on the road, if I thought there was something going on that was going to be entertaining, I would call you guys on the hotline. Right. And we'd do something on the road. And I remember vaguely recalled calling in from South Bend, uh, Indiana, when I was working the Funny Bone there. Right. Uh, I don't recall vividly what it was other than I would just, uh, you know, try to write a quick five or ten minutes of things I could banter back and forth with you. Uh, but there were a good many other things here in town, in, in Des Moines, uh, that, that allowed me to... Uh, uh, extend uh, my listen, my viewership because working there in the mornings with you guys allowed me to get a better audience. I think at the Funny Bone when I was the house MC there. Right, and didn't didn't you uh, get to work on the Channel Thirteen Sports Show on, on Sunday nights? That's where uh, I believe Keith Murphy thought of this idea for a, 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 a call-in show. And he had thought about having some kind of uh, uh, sidekick that could lend a certain amount of humor to it, and that's when he called me and asked me if I would if I would welcome the chance to to be on that show with him and do it live. And uh, I and, and you talk about little or no money. Uh, that was completely uh, for just you know the benefit of of uh, gaining hopefully some some new uh, fans just from the exposure that show allowed me to have yeah we all did a lot of free things for exposure didn't we <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and it never you know it didn't hurt the only thing it I, I take that back the only thing it hurt was i'd walk out of channel 13 sometimes about midnight and then have to hustle home and then get up at four o'clock to be there in the morning with you guys so, so uh, Monday morning came very quick to me. I bet it did, yeah. And and back then, though, you know, I was, I had the strength of ten men. You know, I I could get away with it. I would sure. not be able to do that now. Yeah, I don't think I could keep the hours we did then either. Right. <laughs> At this right. age, do you remember that we used to bring a live pig in to do NFL picks? You remember that? Oh, of course I do. I was the guy because I was the new kid on the block. I was the guy that had to mop up all the pig crap that uh, they would sometimes leave as a souvenir. Yeah, this was not a housebroken pig. Yeah, not housebroken, not at all. Some, we were able to get away with some of them, but, but uh, some of them uh, just, uh, you know, were so excited, and who wouldn't be at yeah. the chance of being <laughs> in the studio with us? But they, they left their mark. That was uh, not good. That has a... Uh, Pig uh, manure has a, a significant aroma to it, unlike a lot of other excrements from animals. Don't you well, think? Well, that's, that's a good point, and I'm glad you decided to share that with your audience. <laughs> well, I want them to know just how much we had to pay, figuratively, to do some of those 
things that in the hopes we're entertaining to the listeners. Exactly. And, you know, what's, what's a nice compliment, and I'm sure it happens to you a lot, too, is there are a lot of things we did that, that really amuse people that we had totally forgotten we did, but people will come up to you even today and say, hey, I remember when you, when you guys did this, I remember when you guys did that, things that, that we no longer remember, but they did. And that's what a great compliment that is to you. Well, and, and I, I think to all three of us. And, and oh, I yeah. think uh, my recollection of a good many of those things were when we were out at the state fair and people would come up to the booth and buy a T-shirt for our uh, charitable cause and and, uh, and then remind us there of, of uh, some of the bits that we did and some of the laughs that that garnered. Yes, absolutely. Let's take a moment, Larry. I, I'd like... Uh, while it's all well and good and in and, and talking, we may be reminded of some other things we can mention here in, you know, in a moment or two. But, but let's back up and tell our listeners now about some of your background, because you're very ensconced in the Des Moines, Central Iowa culture for a variety of reasons. Let's start at the beginning and tell our listeners about, in addition to the morning radio, at KGGO, uh, your other sports-related uh, resume, things you did and and, and uh, voice work you did in the way of broadcasting for a number of different colleges. Well, sports play-by-play was my first love. It's the reason I got into the business. The KGGO thing uh, helped pay the bills. That's, that's why, you know, that was not my first love. My first love was doing games. And so I got here in 1978 to do Drake University on radio. We did those for five years, and that was uh, when Lewis Lloyd was the star at Drake, so they were good years to be there. And then um, the Drake wanted us to do the women's games in addition to the men's games, and at that point, nobody listened to the women's games, so we lost the contract to another radio station. So uh, it looked like, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. And then, um, fortunately, it all worked out that that led me to getting the television job to do the Iowa Hawkeyes on TV was a Fox 17 KDSM at the time was our local affiliate, but we were telecast all over the state. And that led to 20 years of getting to do the Hawkeye games on television. And that was, you know, guy getting to work with Dr. Tom Davis, primarily Steve Alford for his entire career at Iowa. And that was a great thrill for me. And then, um, when that ended, I was lucky that the Drake television play-by-play job opened back up. So at that point, starting with their last NCAA tournament team in 07 and 08, I was able to call the Bulldogs, which I continue to do to this day on MC22 and on ESPN3 or ESPN+, Plus, calling a lot of Drake home uh, women's and men's games. In addition to that, back in the day, we did Iowa Cubs games on television, did about 25 of those a year which I did for a number of years. Um, got to do the Boy State Basketball Tournament with the late Jim Hallahan for a number of years. And uh, to this day, continued to do the Iowa Barnstormers home games on MC22. So that's uh, kind of the summary of, of what has taken me, uh, and what I've done on the air for as far as play-by-play. So tell us a about some of the, uh, the folks that you met that you had an opportunity to meet and interview uh, in in the, what you were just talking about in your sports broadcasting, 
And then, and then tell us a little bit about some of the personalities of the various teams that you broadcast for, uh, and, and some of their, uh, escapades and some of their, uh, prowess on the football field or the basketball court. Sure. My, uh, you know, the, uh, I think the, the, one of the fun conversations, when I think back conversations I've had, and this was nothing that was recorded, but uh, I was doing a game at Michigan State one year. Mac McCausland was my partner, and that was the alma mater of Magic Johnson, and he happened to be at that practice. So for a half an hour, we just sat around and BS the three of us and talked basketball. And so, you know, of all the people I actually have interviewed and recorded, that one sticks out of my mind. Um, we would always visit with the visiting head coach for before a Hawkeye game. So I uh, had a lot of pleasant experiences with a lot of great coaches. And oh, Tom Izzo would come to mind as somebody who I've known for a long time, whose work I always appreciated. Uh, I can't say that uh, the time I spent with Bob Knight was enjoyable. And, and I know you have had a better experience with him than I have. But nevertheless, you know, did get to spend time with him. Um, as far as, you know, going back to great days, the great personalities, uh, I mentioned Lewis Lloyd, but there was Pop Wright, who was an incredible star. I mean, he's still around the Des Moines Metro area. We get to see him. And with the Hawkeyes, you know, so many people come to mind, and I got to watch so many great players, starting with the, the late Roy Marble, who at the time was the all-time leading scorer at Iowa. And I can remember uh, Dean Oliver is a great point guard, and Jeff Horner, Greg Bruner is now in the Des Moines metro area. Fun to watch him, Jeff Settles, and you know the list goes on and on. I was just so fortunate, and just getting to spend with time with Tom Davis, which was tremendous. Um, I did a few Hawkeye football games. I would tend to do them some non-conference games earlier in the year, so I did get to work with Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz, and, and they were a great group. We, uh, as you may recall, round guy would interview Dan McCarney, uh, the Cyclone coach at the time often, and got to be friendly with him, and, and what a terrific person he was. And uh, obviously, you know, Kurt Warner, anybody associated with the Barnstormers knew Kurt Warner. And I used to say, well, you know, when somebody makes it big, people say that, oh, I knew him when. Well, Kurt Warner was much in the community when he was the Barnstormers quarterback. He, knew, he would read at schools and all. I think everybody really did get to know Kurt Warner when he was here. So, uh, I guess I could go on and on, but those are names that, that pop up at the top of my head. Did you uh, get a chance yet? I know it's just out uh, only a couple of weeks, but but uh, the movie about Kurt Warner, have you seen that yet? I have not. Uh, I have a friend who saw it. In fact, somebody I do great women's basketball with, Laura Leonard, she saw it. She thought it was very well done. And I also, I guess, speaking great athletes, I should throw in that I worked with Adam Emenecker, uh, on the Drake television cast. And, of course, Adam was uh, the point guard for the NCAA team in 2007 and eight. And and don't they have a sandwich there at... Uh, uh, Jeffro's, yes. Yes, there at yes. The Drake, in the Drake neighborhood. Yeah, and that, it's been featured on some national food networks on, you know, food challenges. Can you eat this round guy? I, think, I don't know if you could do it now. There was a time, I don't doubt you could have done it. Well, I believe... You know, and I said a moment ago that, that uh, talking with you may re-remind us of things we've done. I remember you guys sent me uh, to that Jethro's to attempt to eat the Adam Emenecker sandwich, and I failed. I, I was ah. close, but I failed. And I would just tell people to go 
online and look at the Jethro's website to remember the contents, because I don't recall exactly what they all were. I'm told now, and I, I just learned this the other day, and I haven't asked Adam about it, there's now an Adam Emenecker slider, so those oh, might really? be a little less, bit less of a challenge. I And, and probably uh, tailor-made for people our age, right? Oh, absolutely. I remember telling people at the time it was alleged to be how many pounds worth of a sandwich, do you recall? No, I don't, but it, it, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, four people, four normal people could not finish that sandwich. Uh, and yet, there's a, I, my understanding is there's a woman uh, uh, from Omaha who pounded it in, in yeah. record time. You're right, and I think that I think that. Well, I'm not sure. I started to say it was on television. Not sure it was, but you're right. It is a woman who holds the record. But it's it's something like a two pound, three pound sandwich or something. One yeah, it's all of his favorites. It's all, and I can't even remember. You know, it's probably hamburger. It's probably brisket. Uh, I know there are onion rings on there, but you know, it's 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 like what three or four inches tall, something like that. Right. Well, I I remember people coming up to me and asking me about it after. Uh, live on the air, we I tried to, to, to do it. And whatever, if it's a three-pound burger or two-pound, whatever the, the poundage it is, and people asking me about it later, I said, uh, I said it was, I said for me it was only about a half a pound because afterwards outside I hurled most of it back up. <laughs> I know you gave it a gallant effort. Right. I, I don't, uh, and, and if you if you do succeed, I guess you get a t-shirt and your picture on the wall or something. And, yeah. You know, it's I mean, almost not worth, you know, whatever you win, you lose by completing it. I know now, that much. I know that you're interviewing me, but I'm going to ask you, did you ever win an eating contest? Hey, hey guys, just to let you know, we got about three minutes left. Okay. Uh, well, you you were probably a witness to the uh, closest I got to to a uh, uh, winning and eating competition. It was over at a, a synagogue in in uh, uh, in Des Moines, and I it was a matzo ball eating contest. <laughs> And, yes, at the, the annual at the time they held a Jewish food fair at, at uh, Temple Ben Jesher, and I remember watching you try to do that. And I, yeah, and I, when it was over, when my time was up, I had tied the guy, another guy for the for the most. All right, and and uh, I remember them saying, you know, we have to have. Uh, an eat off or uh, you know we have to do it again <laughs> and i remember saying no we don't i said that guy won because <laughs> i just you know i had probably the same results as i did that adam emenecker i i just I, I ate as fast and as often and as i could but when it was over i couldn't do any more yeah yeah i do remember that with with great uh, with great fondness that was fun yeah, yeah. So that might have been to watch anyway. That uh, I might, I think I might have won a pie eating contest at the fair once. But that was, you know, in a pie eating contest, the the key is the more you wear, 
the less you have to eat. Yeah, good th- good strategy. And then that's what I, I went for, was uh, I had more on me than anybody else, or oh, anybody else wanted to get on them. So, well, listen, we're going to, uh, I'm enjoying this immensely, Larry. We're talking to Larry Morgan, my old radio partner from KGGO, and uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to come back and have conversation number two with our special guest, Larry Morgan, right after this. Hey, welcome back to part two of uh, Round Guy and uh, Mr. Southeast Iowa podcast. Our guest today is Larry Morgan, and we already wrapped up uh, about the first three hours. Uh, If you missed it, boy, are you out of luck. Uh, We are at part two. I'm just kidding. We're at part two. Larry Morgan is uh, my radio partner from the old KGGO days, but he has been in Des Moines since God left Omaha and is as knowledgeable uh, with regard to sports and sport athletes, male and female. Uh, Tell us about, Larry, your your involvement with the uh, Drake women, and in particular, uh, some of the players they've had that that were uh, incredibly talented. Some have gone on to coach college teams themselves, uh, in particular, who is the coach that just went to Oklahoma? Jenny, uh, Jenny Baranchek. Yes. Now, uh, she played basketball at Iowa, correct? Correct. And has uh, had a uh, how many years at Drake? Um, I believe eight years. Okay. Could have been seven, seven or eight. Well, and tell us a little bit about her and, and uh, whether or not you keep in touch with her now that she's uh, coaching out of state. Well, um, I have been so fortunate to be involved and to get to know a lot of terrific coaches, and Jenny would be right up there. Uh, such a personable person, such a driven person. Uh, I used to love to watch her speak in public because she did it with great passion and never using a note. And uh, we keep in touch a little bit. You know, I know she's awfully busy, but I, I do uh, text her occasionally and uh, wishing her well. And she's having it off to a great start. She's been replaced by Allison Pullman, who has been on the Drake staff for 15 years, including this year as head coach. And, and she's a delight. But actually, I started doing a television show with the Drake women's coaches mm-hmm. when Carol Baumgarten, who founded the program back in the uh, – early 80s or late 70s was there and was able to work with her. And, of course, Lisa Bluter, a long-time association with her, and she's gone on to the University of Iowa, where now she's become someplace in the top ten of active women's coaches and total victories. It seems to me it's something like over 700. So she's been great. And great players starting way back with Lori Bauman, who had gone to East High School and set so many records at Drake. Then there was the amazing Wanda Ford, who might have led the country in rebounding one year. There's Jan Jensen, who uh, is on Lisa's staff at Iowa and has been for years. And she, just a terrific person, terrific player. And if I'm not mistaken, may have, either she or Lori, one of them led the country in scoring one year. And then, you know, we could go through the more contemporary people like the Carla Bennett's of the world, who was also um, many times multi, uh, multi-years multi Missouri Valley Conference, first-team all-conference. And then, you know, to uh, more recent, like uh, Becca Hittner, who's on the staff at Drake now, and Sarah Ryan, and uh, um, Caitlin Engel, who who has the assist record, and just 
been blessed to get to know so many great women athletes over the years. And, and as I say, my association with the coaches, one of the real joys of my job is getting to know these coaches pretty well and be able to uh, consider them friends as well as colleagues. And so that's yeah, just been a great, great joy for me. And a great joy for them to have you as their uh, sportscaster. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned a Caitlin there, uh, Drake. There's a Caitlin Clark at Iowa who seems to be setting the country on fire with uh, her performances. Oh, have my you- goodness, yeah. I got, to, I got to do a couple of her high school games, and, uh, you know, she was spectacular in high school. And just to watch her and coming off that great 44-point performance recently, uh, she is amazing. And, and what a – just a great story that a local girl from West Des Moines and Dowling Catholic High School has gone on, stayed in state, could have gone any place in the country and chose to stay in state and play for Coach Lisa Bluter at Iowa. What a great story. And she's only a sophomore. And how much more fun to watch her. She, uh, in scoring those 44 the other day, became just the 40th player. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Just the like eighth player to score 1,000 points in 40 games in women's basketball history. I mean, what, a, what a great thing. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Now, would you consider her eventually to be a lock for the WNBA? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Now, i got to tell you, over the years, there were men's players in Iowa who I thought were a lock for the NBA, and, and I was wrong. And then there were some that I didn't think could play in the NBA uh, who did. Like uh, Reggie Evans is a great example. When he was in Iowa, the only thing he could do well is rebounding. But then uh, it turns out not only was he a good rebounder in the NBA, they wrote an article in Sports Illustrated on what a great screener he was. So, you know, they're a little – in the NBA, if you're – Mac McCausland, my old partner, used to tell me, in the NBA, if you're great at one thing, that's enough to get you a job. And so, so I'm not often right about these things, but, yes, I would think Caitlin would definitely be able to play in the WNBA. Well, and the reason I ask you that is uh... – who was the woman at Iowa that was so huge uh, the, uh, a few years ago? Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> you're probably not remembering. Uh, was that Megan Gustafson? Is that who we're talking yeah, about? That's who yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, that's who I'm thinking Okay, yeah. Of. And I, you're right. I would have thought that, that she was uh, definitely a WNBA player, and she did play some, but it was never the regular on one team that you would have hoped for her. Right. It wasn't as dominant uh, anywhere near as she was in college. Exactly. But, you know, there's a great, that's a great example of, of people who you think can make it, but, and it just shows you how good professional players are compared to the, the elite in college. And is she even playing? I know, I know she was traded a time or two in the WNBA. Yeah, and she had some 10-day contracts, and I don't know for certain. Okay. But, you know, the nice thing is that for both men and women, there are lots of opportunities overseas and for very good money and in a lot of places for very good living conditions as well. Uh, Luca Garza is just starting out in the NBA with the Pistons, I believe. Right. Uh, have you followed him or seen enough of him there to know whether or not he's going to be uh, a, a a consistent player there for the uh, Pistons? You know, I think he is going to be a consistent player. I can't say I follow the NBA closely or I've seen a lot of them, but I know uh, he had a double-figure performance the other day. The Pistons 
dealing with a lot of injuries with the COVID protocol. So he's getting some playing time. And, uh, you know, whether he's ever a starter, whether he's ever a star, I think, just to use your word, I think he's going to be a regular contributor in the NBA for a long time. I see. Okay. Now, of the current men's uh, basketball team at Iowa, who do you think is, uh, and I know you say you, there's no way to guarantee it, but who do you like uh, to, to eventually end up in the NBA and, and have a career in, in, uh, with the Hawks? And then maybe with Iowa State, if you if you had a chance to follow them at all. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen enough of the Cyclone games to tell you. I'd say at Iowa, um, one of the Murray twins, and of course I can't remember his first name, but, you know, I did their dad, Kenyon, when he played at Iowa, and now to see his twin sons making such an impact. But one of them, I uh, had their twins, and I can't remember which, as I say, I can't recall the name because they don't follow the Hawkeyes that closely anymore because I have my own games I need to, to work on and follow, but uh, I think he's definitely an NBA possibility. The one fellow that played basketball at Iowa, and he was an All-American, and I got to know him a little bit when I was in grad school there, uh, and unfortunately for him, his knee, uh, he was willing to be a superstar in the NBA, but his knees weren't, and that's our friend Ronnie Lester. Oh, yeah, great one. Now, do you run into him at all? or, or uh, I know that the last time I checked, he was working for the uh, Lakers, and then I think uh, he left there, and I don't know where he is now or what he's even doing. Have you had I, believe, I believe he's a player agent now. I believe that's what I've heard. But um, That he's I'm a what? Not, uh, he's an agent, a player agent, player's oh, okay. agent now. I think, but I'm not sure. But I, you know, I, I said in our first episode uh, that I cherished a half hour I got to spend with Magic Johnson. And he could not say enough things about what a great player Ronnie Lester was. Well, and I, the, my understanding is that he was the main reason that uh, the Lakers signed Ronnie Lester after, uh, let's see, I know he started with the Bulls. Uh, but it might have been after the Bulls that the Lakers picked him up, and it was largely due to uh, Magic's uh, involvement with that. Yeah, that's very possible, because I know Magic had a great deal of respect for him. I uh, want to take a moment here and brag uh, on myself, Larry, quite frankly, because you're not doing enough of it. Uh, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> tell, me, tell me what you'd like me to say. You know, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Actually, you know what? Pretend like this is your podcast. Go ahead. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, I was in grad school at Iowa. I was head resident of one of the residence halls there next to the old field house. And I would go over there now and then and, and uh, shoot some hoop with a couple of guys I knew. And one night, Ronnie Lester was there by himself. And this buddy of mine, uh, who was a manager on the football team, and he knew Ronnie, and and I had met him a time or two, but this was a chance for the three of us. We had the field house to ourselves, and we played some one-on-one. -on -one. And it would it would be that we played a five, right? And, and if uh, you sink it, you take it. Take it out of bounds in there, so you get mm -hmm. to keep shooting. So Ronnie... God love him. He beat me and this other kid just be as silly. 
But then I got the ball once against Ronnie, and I I had a decent outside shot. Is about all I could do. And so I popped in two or three of those. Uh, he missed a shot. I went back, and then I I, and then I beat him. I beat him to five with my outside shots. And then the other kid came in, and uh, I don't know if he beat me or what. But I, at any rate, I can say, and I'm not lying, that I beat Ronnie Lester one-on-one. That is a great claim to fame, and I can't say that I ever beat anybody in any athletic endeavor in my entire life, let alone somebody good. Well, and keep going, keep going. Uh, oh, about <laughs> how great you were, you mean? Yeah, yeah I can, I no, can no. only imagine I, how great you were. I, I, and I'll tell you why I mention that. It's one of the few things athletically I can brag about. At any time, and it's not that often, unfortunately, that I that I run into Ronnie. But every time I do, I mention that, as you would expect. <laughs> and it's I, to the yeah, point. I'm sure you would. It's to the point now, where and and I remember back in the day, and I'm sure you'll remember this too. But you couldn't get Ronnie Lester to say "boo." Right. He was as quiet a guy as you could ever imagine. And it was rare if you were able to drag a conversation out of him. And over the years, you know, thankfully he's come out of that. And and he's uh, very articulate, very well-versed, and, and almost chatty, you know. And, and if I were to walk through the airport and see him today and walk up to him, he would say, yeah, 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 I know, you beat me one-on-one. And, and he doesn't remember it. <laughs> he says, he'll say, oh, yeah, you say that, but I don't remember it. I say, Ronnie, I wouldn't make it up. I beat you. I took your task, buddy. And and uh, I have to remind him of it, but but uh, it did actually happen. No, I was just going to say, there's a great line from a Don Henley song that, uh, you know, there's, there's your story, there's my story, and there's the cold, hard truth. <laughs> Yeah, that might be appropriate. I'd like to know. But anyway, we, we'll never know. We're just going to live with your version of it. And I'm never going to think that there's any other way, that any other outcome other than you winning. I swear on the left hand of God, that story is true. Okay. Well, in that case, it must be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ronnie was one of the best. He would have made his mark in the uh, NBA if, if his knees would have been willing. Absolutely. No question. Now, would you say, uh, because I, Ronnie at one time was the all-time leading scorer at Iowa, uh, and that was uh, perhaps eclipsed by Roy Marble, uh, but then Luca Garza, is he now not the all-time scorer at Iowa? I believe so. I think so. Yeah. Well, let's hope he has a injury-free, successful NBA career. Absolutely. Uh, he's, you know, you have to admire a guy who worked as hard as he did to become the player that he is. And I admire him for his sheer uh, work ethic. If nothing yeah, else. Right. Unless he seems like a really good person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see him in interviews, and I've not met the man, but uh, I, I certainly would uh, take your word for it. Well, Larry, we have uh, uh, espoused on many a topic. What else can we talk about with Larry? 
Larry, you are uh, married to the lovely Judy. Correct. For 49, 49 years. And they said it wouldn't last. Really? Uh, but you had two lovely daughters. And I'd like to touch on, and I and I apologize, I've forgotten their names. Uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me think, let me think. Oh, uh, Allison and Lisa. There you go. There you go, yes. I knew you'd know. It took a while, but yeah. <laughs> One of your daughters, I remember while we were on the radio, uh, came through town and had a very unique occupation. Tell everybody about what she did for a year, how all that happened, and what she's doing now. Yeah, well, Allison drove the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, one of... One of twelve, by the way, uh, they were used to, and I don't know exactly how the hotel runs today, but there were twelve Wienermobiles that toured the country and would show up at all kinds of events. And it all started when she was in the University of Kansas and somehow became aware of the Wienermobile. And it basically, it's a one-year internship, and they pay you a, a decent amount of money for getting the job. The job there's over a thousand people apply, and they selected twelve. And she just, she worked really hard and revised resumes and, and just, I was so proud of her just for getting the job. So, uh, they sent them to hot dog high, which is in <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, which is the home of Oscar Meyer. And then they pair them together and, and they send them out on the road. And, you know, you go to a lot of grocery store openings, you go to uh, parades. She got to go to a lot of good sporting events. She was at a final four, they Daytona 500, uh, she was in 37 states with the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. So it was a great, great experience for her. Then subsequently, she said, these have wiener whistles, which is a little whistle you could blow. So as she uh, got into her other professions, and by the way, she worked behind the scenes in reality television for quite a while. But she would use that as a, as a you know, as an icebreaker to bring in whoever is talking to her, a Wienermobile from Oscar Mayer. So, and the other neat thing about that is, so when you drive the Wienermobile, you could barter for a lot of things. So they got a lot of free meals, a lot of admissions to museums and theaters in exchange for just a Oscar Mayer Wienermobile t-shirt. But she thoroughly enjoyed that situation. She lives in Los Angeles, has a son and a daughter. And uh, my other daughter also lives in Los Angeles, Lisa, and she also has a son and a daughter. So... It used to be a lot easier to get out there before COVID. We still tried to go every two or three months, but again, during COVID, haven't gone that long. But anyway, that that's what's going on with the daughters, and uh, of course, they had a great fondness for you. They remember meeting you, and and we did some things together, and listening to you on the radio. And so, uh, they'll be thrilled to know that I did this podcast with you. Oh, I'm sure they will. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate your input with regard to what your daughters are up to. Tell everybody that's listening to us what you are doing now. Well, as I mentioned, still doing the basketball broadcast, which I thoroughly enjoy. But I've also found out as you retire from your day job, and yes, I used to have a day job after radio with, with for a variety of things. Uh, but uh, now I volunteer at Mercy Westlake's Hospital once a week. And what I do is I'm called a mobility volunteer. I take patients and the nurses are so busy, but these patients need to get out of bed and they need to, to walk around a little bit. It's so good for you when you've been lying or sitting all the time. 
So I take them on walks to the halls, and I do that. That's just once a week, but I thoroughly enjoy that, and I've gotten to learn so much about the hospitals, and, and I always had a great admiration for nurses, and it's only grown exponentially since I see them day to day. So I do that, and then once a month, and I could do it more often, but once a month I volunteer at the information booth at the Des Moines International Airport. You ask for a story or two about that. I have two favorite ones. Number one is uh, a woman came up to me once. She was about 19 years old, very attractive woman. It's on early on a Sunday morning because the shift I work on Sunday mornings is 9 to 1. And she said, I've never flown before and I'm a little bit nervous. And she said, and I'm drunk. I said, what? She said, yeah. She said, I'm nervous about this and I've had two mimosas. What should I do now? I said, well... They pointed to the security area. He said, security's there. You go up that escalator through security. And little advice, they said, they do not let intoxicated people on the plane. So don't have another mimosa. <laughs> and then the other experience, and round guy, you having stopped a celebrity or two in your life, you'll appreciate this one, that uh, there was this couple, and they were seated just outside the information booth. And I got there at 9, they were there, and now 10 o'clock comes, 11 o'clock comes. Finally, they came over and started talking to me, and they had actually recognized me from KGGO. And I said, oh, what are you doing here? They said, well, B.J. Thomas performed in Jefferson last night, and we're big fans, and we know that he doesn't have another concert. And so we were speculating that he actually would be flying. He would drive from Jefferson to Des Moines and fly to Des Moines back to Dallas. Well, there have already been two flights to depart for Dallas. No B.J. Thomas. Well, they stayed till 1 o'clock. BJ never appeared. He was not on the next flight to Dallas. And finally, this guy's girlfriend was, she'd had enough of just sitting at the airport for five hours waiting for a BJ Thomas who never showed up. So uh, that was a kind of a unique experience uh, that, you know, you get to meet a lot of interesting people and you can help some people out. But those are the two stories that stick out of my mind. Really? They were that uh, gassed up to, to see BJ Thomas? Yes, but can't you relate to that? Haven't you stalked some celebrities at the airport? Uh, one or two thousand. Yeah, and I, it's your podcast. Don't know if you want to get into that or not, but I certainly remember some stories you've told. Sure. Well, I, I wonder why they didn't uh, pursue him at the casino. They'd have had a better shot at it, don't you think? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, I guess they didn't want to go up to Jefferson, but they were all set. And of course, unfortunately, BJ is no longer with us. So. Yeah, I, I read that where he passed away recently. I'll yeah. tell you a story. Uh, you talk about stock and celebrities. Uh, in my efforts to do something similar, uh, I'm I'm friends now with a guy that that that's you know he collects autographs. I I mainly uh, pursue athletes and rock stars. That's about it. But this guy would go after and and want an autograph from everybody that was his hobby he just collect his autographs and and he told me about an effort to get an autograph from from bj thomas and he said he tracked him down to his hotel room and and i apparently asked him on his way to his hotel room for an autograph and apparently bj thomas told him to take a hike <laughs> or some, something similar to that yeah and so this guy tracked him down to his hotel room, 
and and was so eager to get this guy's autograph, he knocked on the door, hoping he'd open it and say, yeah, all right, okay. When he opened the door, he had a gun, pulled a gun on him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, when he told me that, I thought, boy, this guy hates to sign autographs. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I'm and, glad that these people didn't get a chance to meet him. It might not have gone as they had hoped. Right. Well, it, needless to say, my buddy did not pursue him after that. It's a great story. Oh, gosh. Dangerous. Some of these, uh, you know, I don't, and I thought, ah, he wouldn't have shot him. <laughs> Maybe he would have. Well, I'm glad the guy didn't stick around to find out. Right, right. You know, you ask about celebrities I knew, and of course you and I got to interview so many uh, headliners at the Funny Bone, and some of those people were pretty prominent. So that that was pretty cool, too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Who was the fella that uh, came in with an autographed photo for you and Lou? Don't remember, sorry. He, he came in and gave you and Lou an autographed picture of Pat Riley. Oh. Nope. I'm sorry it doesn't ring a bell, and I no longer have the photo, so I well, can't help uh, you with that one. I think Lou might have it. Okay. But, but the, and I, I can see him, but I can't think of his name. But anyway, uh, and, and because I collect uh, autographs and photos and that type of thing, it was a picture of him and Pat Riley. And it was autographed. <laughs> it was autographed to Lou and Larry from. Gosh, what was his name? That's funny. That's uh, funny. Very, very uh, well attired. A lot of bling. Uh, uh, man of color. Uh, not, not. Um, oh. Um. <laughs> Almost came up. Ron Ramey, is that who you're talking that's it, about? That's it. That's it. Ron Ramey. Well, he God was one love. of my favorites. He was one of my favorite visiting comedians. Mine too. Yeah, he was good. Boy, he could just mold an audience in his hands wherever he wanted to steer them. He he had he had you. He, he, he was, was terrific. Uh, absolutely. But he was also uh, capable of throwing some BS. I discovered. One thing, though, you know, he did uh, the movie uh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. He is in that movie. He's uh, a scene with a guy throwing a tantrum at the rental car counter. And it was always fun to watch that movie, which is one of my favorites, and see him in that scene. I didn't know that. Yeah, check it out. I will do so. Anyway, Ron Ramey came in the studio, handed you and Lou a photo of him and Pat Riley, the Lakers coach, that was autographed. Uh, to Lou and Larry, best wishes, Pat Riley. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I took the photo because I was already in my stalker mode. I thought, whenever I've been near enough to a celebrity to get a photo with them, and and I'm I'm never around them after I get the photo developed, to go back and get them to sign it. Right. Okay? And I was looking at the picture and thinking that. I go, how did he get a picture with Pat Riley, then go get it developed, and then bring it back and have him sign it to you and Lou? 
and that's yeah. what that's when I realized Riley was spelled wrong. <laughs> hey guys, we just got a couple minutes. Story. Matt a... Riley, Riley was misspelled, and that's when I just kind of laughed. I said, "That's wrong." That's a great story. Oh, I've never forgotten it. Hey, I, I hate to break in, but we're real close. We got a couple minutes, maybe one minute. All right, all right. But that's just a, a sign of Ron Ramey. He was so good and and sometimes capable of throwing a little a little BS at you. That he was. That he was. He was a great one, though. Loved him. Uh, I got to watch planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, which again, it was one of my favorites as well. But I didn't realize he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Okay. Larry, we got to wrap it up. I have enjoyed immensely, more than you may know, this walk down memory lane to, to uh, uh, retell some stories and, and rethink some thoughts that uh, went along with my years involved with you and Lou and, and uh, on after you had left radio. I'm glad to hear you're still busy. Please tell your kids hello and give Judy a hug. I will. Let's play golf this coming summer. I can promise you that's going to happen. Sounds great. Well, love catching up with you. I think you're a terrific person, dear friend, and uh, I'm flattered that you asked me, and I hope that one or two of your podcast listeners actually enjoy the, the, our conversation. I'm confident that one or two of them will. Great. I mean, so much so, we may call you again. How's that? I hope so. I'm around. Larry, God love you. Same here. Take All right, care. buddy. So long. Be well. Bye-bye.